Hello friends, thank you for joining me for our fireside chat today. I wonder how are you doing with hand washing? Have you found a song that's 20 seconds long or are you kind of over it? When you go to turn on the faucet, do you make sure to turn it on with the back of your hand so you don't contaminate the faucet? Are your hands getting raw from washing them so much? Has it become a habit yet? I can't imagine some of you are having to worry about your own hands being clean as well as a whole bunch of little ones in your home. You know how when you go up to the HEB, there's a hand sanitizing station before you walk into the grocery. I want you to imagine with me that you are to go to the grocery store later today and as you approach that sanitizing station, instead of just a, a pump, there is a grocery store employee there and every single person as they prepare to enter into the store is getting their hands washed by this employee. It just doesn't seem right, right? It definitely doesn't seem like the most efficient way, the safest way to sanitize one's hands. It would make us uncomfortable to let someone, especially someone we don't know, to wash our hands. I know for me, I'd probably look down at my nails and I would see some, some dirt in them from picking a few weeds and I would get embarrassed and then want to just leave. How do we know that the person doing the hand washing is safe or clean or, or virus free? I share this example with you all because as ridiculous, inefficient, and upside down as this seems, this is exactly what the disciples would have thought when Jesus suddenly gets up from their Passover meal and he begins to wash their feet. It wasn't right. Servants were supposed to do this work. It was dirty work. These men wore sandals and walked around in the dirt all day. I imagine at least a few of them had to be uncomfortable with the look of their own feet. We know at least one disciple was super uncomfortable as Peter exclaims to Jesus, you're never going to wash my feet. I have to tell you that when I began looking at this text in preparation for today, I knew we were going to be honoring our graduating seniors. And so I had this plan and it was going to be a sermon about how we should serve just like Jesus. But this time, something popped out to me that hadn't before, and it's in that first verse. It says, he loved them to the end. Them. All of them. Even Peter, who would deny him. Even Judas, who the scripture tells us the devil had already put into his heart to betray him. All of them got their feet washed. I picture Jesus kneeling at each of the disciples' feet and tenderly washing them and then taking the towel off around his waist and drying them. And then when he gets to Peter and then Judas, I wonder what were they thinking? While we don't know what each of them th were thinking, we certainly know what Jesus was thinking because he was modeling it right there before their eyes. Jesus was thinking, no matter what you do, only love. Everything in my flesh says this is not safe. My tendency is to set limits on my love for others. So I will love someone fiercely until they offend me too many times. And I will love someone until they're mean to my kid. I will love someone until I find out that everything they says is a lie. I will love someone until I see how their choices have ruined their family. I will love a friend as long as they are loyal and put something into the friendship. I think most of us 
We have this cap on our love and we have put some restrictions up. Now I am all for setting healthy boundaries in relationships. But what Jesus models here for us is a love that does not discriminate based on how people have, are, or will be able to love us. As followers of Christ, we don't get to just create like a dream team of the people that we get to choose to love. Jesus says things like, you've got to love your enemies. You have to love the ones who betray you, the ones that are mean, the ones who offend and who lie, who make bad choices and ruin their families. We must love and love without end. Luke Powery is the dean of the Duke University Chapel. And this is how he speaks of this verse. He says, Jesus demonstrates this love as a response to betrayal and resistance and calls the church to open their doors to whosoever will come, even enemies, even those who might perpetuate racism, sexism, classism, homophobism, or any form of discrimination, even those who might look different, act different, worship different, or dress different, must be loved with the type of love that Christ shows towards us, shows towards Judas. It was unconditional. All must be welcomed, for all were washed by Christ, not just as friends. His love is without end, no limits, love to the end, even to the tips of the disciples' toes. So how do we love without end? Jesus models for us two ways, and they can't be separated from one another, friends, humility and serving. I think as people of faith, we get that we should be serving others, but serving in a way that loves like Jesus means serving with humility. You see, we get our English word humility from the Latin word humus, which means dirt or earth. And Jesus's act of foot washing was the job for a servant. It literally was a job that would have brought the person closer to the ground, lower than anyone in the room. And it was certainly not the job for a Jewish rabbi, let alone the Messiah, not to mention God in the flesh. When Jesus went to wash their feet, the author gives us this detail and says that first he took off his outer robe. Why did Jesus do this? Was it too bulky to kneel down with this on? Did he not want it to get dirty? But if you remember from my Palm Sunday sermon, when Jesus came into Jerusalem and people began to lay their cloaks on the ground for him, the word used here for robe is the same that is used for cloak. The cloak was a status symbol in first century Israel. Jesus was a Jew, a rabbi. He had status as a leader, a healer, and a teacher. And Jesus chose to take off that status in order to serve. You see, I think part of what Jesus models for us here is that when we serve the way he serves, we might need to take something off of us first. When we serve in this way, status, ego, pride, qualification, degrees behind our name all go out the door. And this is timely for us. That night when Jesus washed the disciples' feet and shared with them, he wasn't with a huge crowd. He was with those closest to him. What if today this message of serving others is meant for those that we are closest to? What part of our status or attitude or pride might we need to take off in order to serve our families, our friends, and our neighbors? When I was a teenager, I was hot-headed. I was pretty much intense about everything I did. I laughed loud. I was super passionate about my friends and sports and success. And it was exhausting, not just for me, 
but for my mother. And unfortunately, when things were too overwhelming for me, I took out my stress on my family, specifically on my mother. I would yell at her. I would give her looks, and y'all know the ones that I'm talking about, roll my eyes, groan, and I'm ashamed to say I would call her the meanest of names. My mom never reacted. She didn't argue back. She didn't defend herself. She didn't let my emotions become her emotions. She would stand there and listen to me throw my little temper tantrum, and she would say very calmly, darling, I'm sorry you feel that way. And reflecting back on those moments, I see how my mom served our family so humbly. My mom's love for me was not limited or defined by my bad behavior. Now that I have teenagers of my own, I do not know how she did it. It was like she chose not to be defined by what her flesh would have wanted or what the world would say makes a good mom. She took off the expectations from the world and the flesh that I personally find so difficult to do with my teenagers. She took off that as a mom, she needed to be right and to make sure that her kids knew she was right. And instead, she chose to see my immaturity as my problem and not her own. She took off the idea that she needed to be a cool mom who always said yes to her kids, and instead, she chose to set boundaries for me and my sisters. She took off the idea that a parent is defined by the success and failures of their kids, and instead, my mom chose to be defined by whose she was as a child of God. My mother modeled for me what it is like to live as a humble servant. What might each of us need to take off in our lives so that we can better serve humbly those around us? Maybe we need to take off our fear of being rejected. Maybe we need to take off our worry about what others will think of us. Maybe we need to take off our pride, or maybe for some of you, you need to take off your lack of pride. As followers of Jesus, we are called to love big by serving with humility. And it's not a one-size-fits-all when it comes to what will this look like in your life. The key is that by serving with humility as modeled by Jesus in this story, it means doing things for others that make them feel honored, even if that means doing things that might get our hands dirty or doing things that cause us to put aside our status or require us maybe to take a position that's less esteemed. Two of my good friends in Atlanta work for Chick-fil-A. And through them, I have learned so much about this organization and how it operates and manages people. They've shared with me through the years of how when you begin work at Chick-fil-A, at their corporate office, which is called the Support Center in Atlanta, you have to work a day in one of the restaurants. They are expected to get refills for customers, to support the staff however they are needed, and you are supposed to do this every year. You see, they want those that they are supporting in the restaurants to know that they know what that work is like. And this is what my friend Scott told me yesterday. Whether accounting, programming, or marketing, it is important for us to know how the whole team works and for them to know we are serving alongside them. Our leadership style is servant leadership. He said that one of his first team leaders gave all of them a shoe brush like this. It was a reminder to them of when Jesus washed his disciples' feet and to approach work 
in the same way. Can you imagine what an impact on our families, on our neighborhoods, on our city, it would make if all followers of Jesus began to love big with humble service? Will it be hard for us? Yes. Might we get a little dirty? Yes. Might we feel uncomfortable? Absolutely. And might it seem upside down? Yes. But might it be exactly what God hopes for us to do as followers of Jesus? You bet. Jesus said, so if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set for you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. May it be so in my life and in yours. Amen.